Hello everyone, welcome back to the one and only Midnight Movie Confessionals. I'm hoping that everyone is doing very well during this dangerous times that we're all kind of living in a little bit. I uh, have taken a bit of a break and I'm sorry for that, that I haven't been uploading any new content in the past little while. I had a bit of a, I got a return to work and a new, like, I was able to return to work and I was able to get back to doing my everyday Joe job besides this, which I, I love to death. I love doing this, but I want to do something that makes me money. But I sadly got furloughed again a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, you know what? I haven't done a podcast in a while. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I watch... This is a bit of a retrospective on three films. Instead of just one. I know I have a bit of a project I've been trying to do for a while. But this one's going to come first because it is very close to Halloween. I don't know if you want to call this a real Halloween-y sort of movie or trilogy or anything of that sort. But it is to celebrate the Day of the Dead. I may not be Latin, Latino, or whatever you want to call me. I, I'm not Chicano. I'm nothing of that sort. I'm just a white guy who likes watching and enjoying good Mex- Mexican cuisine and watching good Mexican movies every now and then. And this series is the is called the Mexico Trilogy. It is done by Robert Rodriguez. It stars, if I recall correctly, I'm going to have to fact check this quickly because I know it's a trilogy of sorts that he made. It started in 1992 that had Carlos Gallardo. 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 I'll remember it after when I get the chance to. But uh, basically, it started in 1992, realistically, with a low-budget production, very low-budget of the the Spanish-speaking film El Mariachi. It was made on a budget of $7,000 using 16mm film, was shot entirely in Mexico, a very amateur cast. It was meant to go directly to the home-to-video market in Mexico and a little bit of, um... What was it? Uh, there was a few others that were meant to... Like, it was apparently meant to go to, like, very direct-to-video in the Latin American markets in Southern California, Texas, New Mexico... Like, basically across the Rio Grande. So around Texas, California, all the southwestern areas, you could say. It came there. And Rodriguez actually got funds for the film by offering himself up as a human guinea pig to science labs for experiments, more or less. That's how he kind of got his money. And he also got a few uh, bits of prize money for his short film, Bedhead, at film festival competitions. But... Executives at Columbia liked the first film so much that they brought the rights to it for American distribution, and it made more than like seven more times, several times more than the original budget, um, and um, made it amazing. The first one, if I was to really get down and dirty and gritty into it, is like I mentioned, a 1992 film, Spanish language speaking, American western, very independent Mexican American western, but um. Made post-production wise, like it had a post-production budget after Columbia got the rights to it and whatnot, and it made two million at the box office. And this is Rodriguez's very first debut film. And overall, I'm gonna say that I'm glad that I saw it when I was younger. I remember liking the sequels, Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Desperado. Desperado came 
first, and that was Rodriguez's attempt to remake the first one, but it turned into a whole nother ball game, it turned into a whole nother story. But basically, the whole ordeal starts with a criminal named Azul breaking out of jail and ventures off with a guitar case full of guns and vows to uh, get revenge on the local drug lord, who I guess he worked with, named Moko, who had him arrested in the first place. Meanwhile, a young musician, we don't really know his name, named, we're going to call him L for the entirety of the series, arrives in town carrying guitar, his own guitar case, which contains his own signature guitar. He hopes to find work in town in order to preserve his dream of becoming a mariachi like his father. He wants to kind of follow in his father's footsteps, but... Like, uh, basically, from the confines of the compound that Moko lived in, he sends a group of hitmen to kill Zul. They're told to look like to look for a man who's carrying a guitar, a guitar case, basically, that's wearing all black, wearing a guitar case. But since El Mariachi matches this description, they think he's Azul and begin to pursue him. The Mariachi is meant to kill, like, kills out of self-defense for the guys after being chased through the streets and seeks refuge in a bar owned by a, a beautiful woman named Domino. He quickly falls in love with her. Unfortunately, Domino and Moko kind of have their own like uh, romantic interest a, a little bit. So it kind of makes it a little complicated when Azul comes to the bar. He accidentally leaves with L's guitar case. And when L leaves the bar for the day, he in turn gets the guitar case as well, like gets Azul's bar, the guitar case and well he has no directions of Moko's home like uh, Azul has no directions of Moko's home he takes Domino with him and orders to take her to Moko's or Moko will kill the mariachi, she agrees in order to save his life, when they arrive the compound he pretends to take her hostage in order to gain entry and realizes that Domino's home for the mariachi and in a rage actually shoots Domino and Azul and the mariachi arrives to see that his the woman he loved has been gunned down. He shoots, like Moko shoots mariachi's left hand running him useless as a guitar player and proceeds to taunt and laugh at him. He actually then picks up Body, like Azul's gun with his right hand kills him taking revenge and uh, the rest of their the rest of their the rest of his henchmen just kind of walk off seeing that his their leader is dead and just kind of don't even care and they leave him behind he leaves town on Domino's motorbike taking her pit bull and letter opener which we don't really remember per se like the pit bull isn't really around a lot in the movie but he takes them both to by which to remember her, his dreams of becoming a mariachi have been shattered, and his only protection for his future are Azul's former weapons, which he takes along the guitar case and he rides off into the sunset. Now, after this comes 1995. When 1995 comes around, we get Desperado, which is in a sense a sequel slash remake of sorts to El Mariachi. This time it does not star. Carlos Gallardo, who helped produce it as well. And this time around, it stars the one and only. I'm always saying the one and only. Antonio Banderas. 
It also has co-stars Joaquin de Almeida, Salma Hayek, Cheech, Mar Cheech Marin, Quentin Tarantino, we'll get into that later, and Steve Buscemi. Now, like I mentioned, this is a bit of a remake sort of ordeal with the revenge plot of sorts, but basically it, an American man named Buscemi arrives in a bar in Mexico and tells him how he witnessed a massacre in another bar committed by some guy with a guitar case full of guns. Like, he literally goes into such big details. He literally says, when he's sitting there, he then sees the biggest Mexican he's ever seen. Biggest shit. Just walks in like he owns the place. Like, literally, he's describing how Antonio Banderas, as L walks in and just owns the place. Like, he's always walking in a shadow. It's always like the lights kind of dim for him. If that makes sense. And I'm sorry if I'm going not very quick. and If I'm not going very much into detail for both films. For all three films today. But I'm going to try and make this not super short. But not super long either. But overall when this happens. He talks about this whole thing. How like about a, lot, a lot of the bar patrons are kind of uninterested in the whole story. Until the name Bucho is mentioned, then they kind of think, oh, okay, 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 okay. And, uh, apparently Bucho was, um, an underling of Moco from the previous film. Now, we don't really know that per se. All we know is that L is looking after, well, looking for the man who helped kill the woman he loved. Which we found out in the previous film. And... He's awakened by Buscemi, who tells him to search for him at this bar and continue his search there. While he's doing that, he does actually kind of meet this kid who says his father allegedly plays guitar for a living. He gives him some pointers because he, he wants to help him learn a bit, because he, he thinks, you know what, this kid might actually have a little bit of a, might have something to him, like, he might actually do well as a, as a little guitar player, he wants to try and teach the kid something new that he can actually use every day, if he wants to actually, um, play, and I, I honestly think this is a, a, a sweet moment, because when we see L, he doesn't seem like he'd be the kind of person that even care about a little kid. Wanting to see his guitar, let alone try and play it. You would think he just, he doesn't care at all. But he tells them to practice every day, all day. Keep on trying to uh, play flamenco style. Which is a good way to teach the little one. He gives them some pointers. And then when he arrives at the Tarasco bar, he engages in a tense standoff with goons of Bucho before he... Er he, like gets into a massive gunfight. This is where the fun kind of begins in this movie. Even though it's a very, big, very good part of the beginning after the story is like after Buscemi's told a story that there's a bit of a dream sequence of sorts where um, L is performing with two of his friends, Kampa and Kino, whom I, like I said we'll get into later. And uh, yeah, that happens. And oh yeah, I forgot Quentin Tarantino is in this movie. I forgot about that part. I kind of skipped that part, and I'm sorry for that. He shows up as the pickup guy for some sort of uh, thing that is meant to happen, and he starts talking about this dumb joke he thought of, I guess, 
This is like off the bat, like off the like just ridiculous joke about like how some guy walks into a bar, bets the bartender three hundred bucks that he can piss from one end of the like from one end of the bar to the other, and it's just like he's pissing everywhere, yada yada yada. It's just it's a dumb fucking joke. It's not even funny. Like literally after it happens, he finds out that the guy that he's met up with, like I came with him, was some sort of informer or something to get shot. He thinks he's gonna get shot next. He doesn't. Thank God, because if Quentin Tarantino got shot in a movie, I'd be a little pissed off. But, spoiler alert, he does get shot a little bit later. After the standoff starts, the gunfight starts to happen. Because he basically... Like, engages in a massive gunfight because everyone thinks that he's like some crazy maniac with a guitar case full of guns. He just wants information. He doesn't want to shoot everyone in the goddamn bar. He doesn't want to just, like, walk in. Hi. Bang, 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 bang. Walk. He doesn't want to do that. He wants information. That's all he fucking wants. Is that not hard? Is that, like, that hard to understand? Like, seriously. And he finds out that he, uh... Kills everyone in the bar except for this one guy who is in the back room conducting illegal business who survives and follows him outside named Tavo. And on the street, he wounds um, L before being killed himself. Carolina, who um, he shields from Tavo's, like he, um, like L shields her from his bullets, takes L to her bookstore and um, decides to. More or less, patch him back up. Meanwhile, Bucho arrived at the bar to survey the carnage. Thinks that uh, everyone, like, there's this guy dressed in black and he wants to hunt, get him hunted down. Well, she tends to his wounds. She discovers the guns of the guitar case, realizes who he is, and uh, Elle asks for her help to find him. Uh, like, to find Bucho, I mean. He goes to the town church to talk to Buscemi, who's completely upset. And he's, he's understandably upset because... He just found out another, like, just that there's another massacre yet again. And he just, he can't deal with it anymore. He convinces, he tries to convince Michelle, like, uh, Al to give up his quest because sooner or later he's going to end up dead. Bushami, on the other hand, does actually get uh, killed by some guy that is armed with throwing knives after he ambushes both. He severely wounds Al. Bucha's men arrive on the scene, mistake him for the man in black. Like, he, they think he's L and kill him. They take the body back to Bucha. They find out that they actually killed the wrong person. He was a Colombian hitman named Navajas, who was actually sent by the Colombians to kill L. As L wanders through the streets, he meets the kid, Manito, and learns that his kid's guitar is being used to mule drugs. That's it. And he's... He confronts him because he tells him that most people in town work for Bucho and he even returns like then Al returns to Carolina's bookstore and learns that Bucho has paid like paid to build her bookstore as another front for his drug dealing, more or less. Bucho unexpectedly pays her a visit. Al hides hastily. She faints ignorance about the commotion that's going on. He leaves. Carolina finishes stitching him up. And they uh El gets a new guitar by uh, Carolina. 
he plays for her they make love meanwhile Bucho kind of figures out later on that uh Carolina has lied to him and his men decide to go to the bookstore set it ablaze they fight like Elle and Carolina fight their way out of the building onto a local rooftop where he gets a clear shot but unexpectedly chooses not to they later take refuge in a hotel room while Bucho gathers his men and tells them to kill anyone that anyone in town they don't know and realizing that Bucho will not stop hunting both of them Elle calls Kampa and Kino to help the trio meet up on the edge of town and encounter Bucho's goons and a massive gun battle does ensue but the downside is that Kampa and Kino as well as a good chunk of Bucho's goons are killed Elle sees that Manito is wounded in the crossfire and rushes him to a hospital and Carolina and Al go to Bucho's com- compound to really confront him directly and just say yeah they're both brothers Bucho offers L to let him go if he can kill Carolina he instead kills like L instead kills his brother and shoots all the remaining henchmen and later they visit Manito in the hospital he decides to leave town on his own like, and this is a bit of a recurring theme in the, sh- in the movie as well, where he said to Carolina, Hey, Carolina, did I thank you? She said, no, no, you didn't. He's like, I will. He, he does it twice, and it's a bit of a reoccurring theme. He decides to, uh, when Carolina decides to catch up to him on the road, picks him up, he initially decides to leave his weapons on the side of the road. They tr- drive off away together, and then he decides to say, you know what, let's go back and pick him up. Just in case, because it's a long way to the next town. And they drive off into the sunset. And that's how it ends for Desperado. That one had a $7 million budget. And that came out in 1995. And it made $25.4 So it almost made four times its budget. Almost. Almost. But it didn't. The music, mind you, in this one was actually quite good. It was done by uh, the band Los Lobos, which is uh, Spanish for the Wolves. And a few other people were a part of it as well, if I recall correctly. The soundtrack, I think, mentions some of it as well. Because I know uh, Tito Larivia, Lariva plays Tavo. He's in a band called Tito and Tarantula. And there's a few songs that he's done in the movie as well, amongst others. But I can definitely say, uh, the movie's great. This one is the most solid out of the first two. Then 2003 comes around, and it ends the trilogy, the final part of the trilogy, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. It was also kind of known as Desperado 2 in certain areas of the world. I don't know why exactly. But that's what it was. I don't want to know why, but it was. It was done up in, like, it was a contemporary Western action film done by Rodriguez. All three have been done by Rodriguez. It's the third and final film in his trilogy. It's the, it also features L being played by Antonio Banderas again, who's being recruited by the CIA agent Jeffrey Sands, Sheldon Sands, by, who's played by Johnny Depp. I forgot to mention that the bad guy in Desperado was Joaquin de Almeida but he more or less hires him to kill a corrupt general responsible for the death of his wife Carolina yes in some 
some really ridiculous flashbacks of sorts. You can see that they're getting married. And um, what happens is apparently, well, aside, like, not really apparently, but actually, um, what happens is that he uh, gets, like, they get married, they have a child, while this general shows up out of nowhere because he found out that she was with him, tries to fight him to the death, and then they catch up. He shoots Carolina, shoots Elle, shoots their child. Both the child and Carolina die, but he survives miraculously. But that's in the... He's recruited by him to kill General Marquez. The reason mostly because when this happened, like when he gets really recruited, he gets recruited in the wrongest of ways, if I'm honest, because he gets recruited in a weird, very weird way. He's approached by Kukui, who's played by Danny Trejo, who's in the last one as well as Navajas, Navajas, or however it's pronounced. I don't really know very well in Spanish. Someone could correct me and get mad because I didn't do it right, but that's beside the fact. And, um, more or less, he's recruited in a weird way because of the fact that they just are looking for him, but they don't know how to find him. And they shoot one guy that thought may, like, that they thought may have information about him or may have been trying to hide him or what have you. So they decide to shoot him, yada, yada. He goes to visit where Sands is, who I guess is a renegade CIA agent who's been sent off to Mexico because the CIA don't want to deal with him anymore. Like, he's kind of, like, just stationed in Mexico doing his own thing because of this, that, and the other thing. Like, they don't really have an exact reasoning as to why. Like, we don't really know why. But I'm just guessing, I guess he's been a bit of a bad boy and has done some dumb things and then thought, fuck him. Let's just throw him off out into Mexico. He can do his own thing there. He doesn't have to report to us or whatever. Like, he just does his own thing. He kind of, he kind of helps cause revolutions, let's just say. But when he's recruited by Sans to do this, he's been given some explicit instructions to do this and that, the other thing. And um, more or less, he goes to a church where, sorry. Where this priest, who's also played by Depp, who's actually Sands, actually um, decides to more or less make him go through all this crap and say, are you still standing after he's encountered some of the cartel who want to kill him? Because apparently the Borillo cartel are trying to hire some renegade general named Marquez whom El wants who actually has a score to settle with to kill like he has a score to settle with him this that and the other thing it's just I don't know how to explain it but he has a score to settle with him he uh needs to do this that and the other thing like I mentioned and what he basically needs to do for the most part is besides shoot this guy and kill him he needs to recruit his old friends, Lorenzo and Fideo. Fideo. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, 
he has to do that because they are trying to say like uh save the president of the president of Mexico or was it I think it's more of the actual it's actually more of the president of the state of uh, Sinaloa I believe which right now is not in a very good uh kind of I guess you could say in a very good state right now because Sinaloa does have some issues right now it's well if you know the news and whatnot it's the home of the Sinaloa cartel it's the one that um, deals with the most craziness like it's the one that the government kind of knows a little bit about and just don't do anything about per se and I mean if you really think about it that's where El Chapo is from like he's from that area of Mexico and it's like why don't you do something about these fucking drug cartels I'm sorry but it, it, it just it pisses me off but whatever apparently the president of Mexico is there he's giving a speech during the day of the dead which is a couple days before everything is meant to go down well like a couple days like like during the time that during the timeline of this, so Lorenzo made like a video performed for the president with L. L finds out that Kakui has uh, decided to just rat him out to uh, the cartel and try and get him killed. While he kind of escapes under his own grace and pressure, Sands on the other hand has been. He's been recruiting others to help with the cause because he knows of a retired FBI agent who's a civilian who's living down in Mexico who he's able to kind of persuade to kind of become an FBI agent again even though he shouldn't be in Mexico at all if he's an FBI agent because I don't think the FBI will ever leave the U.S. territory. Like, I don't think they're able to. I'm double-checking on this. Like, if they're able to go undercover or whatever, I don't think they are able to, per se. But, I don't know. I don't really know a whole lot about it, but I'm just going to go with it at the end of the day. Whatever it is. But anyways, while this is happening, he also... uh, Finds that he also tries to assign an AFN operative named Ahedrez. 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 I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she's played by Eva Mendez. She's the daughter of uh, Barrio, which we find out later. But he tries to hire her to tail him and whatnot while monitoring it. Ramirez, the FBI agent meets Billy Chambers, an American fugitive who has been living under the protection of Barrio Barrio, who can no longer stomach the horrible task he's been asked to carry out, been forced to do as well. He convinces Chambers he'll provide him protection in exchange for getting closer and decides to say, if you help you could surrender to the US authorities once 
Borio has been taken down. Kukui, like I mentioned, turns and tranquilizes L, turns him over to Barrio. He finds out that uh, he's killed. He's in, ter- he's in turn killed because he's an idiot, more or less. But what really happens is that while he sit, like while L says they're on, they get themselves prepared to get everything going because he wants to more or less. Not just take revenge, but he wants his friends to help him out because he knows that there's money that could be used because Marquez is trying to overthrow the president. Like he's trying to throw, he's trying to attempt a coup d'état, and he doesn't. And Sansa said, "I don't want you to let him do that. You, I want you to shoot Marquez after he's taken out the president." In a sense, savvy? Like he does it like that, but. At the same time, I don't think that's a smart move. Just because of the fact that, one, if you are to do something like that, you could, in turn, do more damage than anything. Like, just basically have an entire revolution that just goes nuts. But a lot of the citizens that were in, in uh, Kulikan during the Day of the Dead ceremonies and uh, celebrations realize what's going on and attempt to take over, uh, help take the presidency back from the military and meanwhile Barrio has gone under like gone for um, gone to a hospital to go and get facial reconstruction done so he can actually get uh, like facial reconstruction like, like to be less known to authorities I guess, but, um, when Ramirez finds out, he finds out, oh, crap, I'm captured, I'm screwed, but, um, Marquez's troops take over, like, try to take over, they, they don't even realize that the president's bodyguards and also the citizens and the mariachis are going to help take back whatever happened, like, try and stop the attack from happening. L goes through the back door to the president from the governor's palace, I guess you would call it. I don't know, the palace that they're at. He decides to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take it from the back and you guys can take it from the front. Sans also tries to show up and after he's been maimed per se, he's his eyes have been gouged out. And uh, he more or less is now completely blind, he has to deal with all this crap. He finds a way to kill Ahedrez outside while Ramirez, like while Marquez finds a way to get inside of the building. He decides to say, lock the door. He talks, he taunts L by more or less saying, didn't you die already? Yeah, I did. But guess what? You're, guess what's happening? You're going to die too. So he more or less gets what he wanted out of it. He gets revenge, but he also helps Ramirez and Ch- like uh, get revenge on Barrio and Dr. Guevara, who also kind of ruined his life previously as he tortured and killed his best friend years ago. As that happens, L helps him kill the drug lord and 
since, like I mentioned, shoots her outside the present of Trapalis. While ultimately, Lorenzo and Ferio ran away. Like, they ran away with a good chunk of the cash that was meant to be paid for the presidential, like, president's death in the attack. They all split it together, but they uh, get the, the president out of the area. He finds himself getting picked back up. With that, like, they escape. Uh, what else happens? Oh, yeah. They walk away with the cash that, to get, like, after the president is found by his team in, like, his limo, he decides to say thank you both. He rides off. They, like, Lorenzo and Fidio walk away. Just, they go their separate ways. I think Fidio still starts, like, still, in the whole movie, he's been drinking a lot. So he's probably still drinking anyways. He's probably drinking off. And probably, whatever's happening, he's probably drinking off somewhere right now. As we speak, for all we know, or he could be dead. All I know is that L gives his share of the cash to his home village before walking off into the sunset with one of my favorite songs ever performed by the band Shingon, which I believe, yeah, it's Robert Rodriguez's band, and... I just absolutely love it. It's the song is called Siente Mira Amor, which, if I'm honest, is just absolutely gorgeous of a song. And it has uh, Sama Hayek performing the song itself. Sorry, but um, she performs it, and it just it plays through the entire credits. For the most part, and it, it's gorgeously done. I think the whole song itself is great. I kind of miss, like, I kind of wish this still happened every now and then. But um, at the end of the day, um, it was a good movie. Like, all three were great. I kind of wish the like there was more to talk about, but. What is there to talk about besides how great of a movie this was, like, like this whole trilogy was, to be frankly honest, because honestly, I don't know how to describe it. I just know the ending is more perfect than it needed to be, but it concluded the series in a great, great way, if I'm truly honest. Now, the series itself, if I recall correctly, and the, the third film's budget was $29 million, and it made 98.2 at the box office. It was the first big budget film to be shot in digital HD. But what's funny is he's almost, like, L is kind of, like, uh, is kind of reduced to a almost secondary character in a sense. And the plot is a little convoluted, but it, it's meant to be that way. And it's... The whole... Giant... Trilogy, I think, total... Its budget was $36,007,000. And total, it's made $125.6 at the box office. Which is quite interesting, to say the least. I know there's been a series adaptation, apparently, that came out a couple of years ago... 
on uh, the Action Network, AXN, but I never got a chance to really see this myself, and it's, it had 71 episodes, holy shit! I don't believe it having that many episodes, but I guess it did. I guess it must have... Well, it looks like it might have been... The way it was done, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I didn't really see it myself, but... Apparently there was an adaptation of it. Sony's action... Yeah, because I never worked confirmed they were to do it. Came out in 2014. I, don't, I never saw it myself, but maybe it was good. I don't know. But... If I ever do watch it, I will do a podcast on that maybe later. I know I'm I'm working on two different podcasts at the same time, it feels like, half the time. But I wanted to get this over and done with because I wanted to say, everyone out there, I hope you have an amazing Halloween. I hope it will be fantastic for you. If you don't celebrate Halloween, happy end of October then. If you celebrate Dea de los Muertos, or is it... Or as most people know it in English, the Day of the Dead, if that is your tradition and you celebrate that. I hope it is a fantastic day for you as well. I know it's, a, it's meant to be kind of a day of mourning per se, but I hope it is what everyone would say, absolutely amazing. I hope you're able to have a good time. I myself, after this podcast is over and probably after you've probably, this will probably have been heard well after the day of the dead probably by some but if you have heard it before the day of the dead more power to you if you hear it after no big deal it's just a man talking about three films by one of his favorite directors mr robert rodriguez now forgive me folks i am going to be getting myself some latin american food some good tacos i hate to say it like that i hate to be that I like to just say I'm going to go get tacos, but I'm really having a hankering for some good as heck tacos. I will hopefully catch you all in the next podcast. Whenever that may be, I will not know this. That's kind of why I like doing these podcasts. They're very sporadic sometimes whenever I do them. But for now, this is me with the Mexico Trilogy, ladies and gentlemen, signing out. Until next time, end transmission.